Welcome back to the Wrestling with Altitude podcast. I am your host, Mr. Fourth Row, and joining me on this episode, I've got the man, Dewey Larson. Dewey, how you doing? I am top of the food chain, my friend. <laughs> That's great. Uh, uh, so uh, first question out of the shoot. Uh, how did you get introduced into this uh, wacky world of professional wrestling? <laughs> um, you know what? That that's uh, that's a good that's a phenomenal question. We all had to come about it from some some way, and honestly, I was thrust into the world of professional wrestling as a child. Um, I can't say that I was a fan. Um, I enjoyed wrestling as a child, but my dad was uber into it. You know, I live I lived in Amarillo, Texas, which was the you know the hotbed of world class. Yeah. championship wrestling in the 80s and uh, my dad watched them and watched uh, nwa um and so I, I i knew who the wrestlers were from from my dad well then my my sister became friends with ted dibiase's wife ted was from amarillo as well and um i became friends with the, um you know a couple of his kids and never really thought about it. They were always friends, you know, so we didn't think about wrestling. And then um, my dad ran into um, um, one of the funks. My dad went to high school with one of the funks. Um, I believe it was um, Dory, Dory Funk. And um, so I, I had wrestlers who ended up being icons in the business around me from the time I was crawling and never, you know, never realized it and didn't think it was a big deal. And then um, I was in high school and I was doing production, concert production on the side for a job. And, and I met, um, I got to meet some of these guys whenever WWE came into town or at the time it was WWF. And um, I, I just was interested in it. I've always loved concert and event production. And um, so that's really where my story came into wrestling. I, uh, um, to make a long story short, I, uh, I did concert production. That's been my job, you know, most of my life. I, I always did it. I, I went on tour. I was a roadie. And then um, it's, I don't know what happened, but I got hooked up with these big league baseball umpires. Yeah big league baseball umpires and um we started comparing jobs and talked about uh, how they only work three hours a day and i said hey i want i want to do that so i went to umpire school and became a professional baseball umpire so at the end of that run i, I was always kind of you know i've always kind of been the outgoing guy i've always been the guy to to be motivated by being told that i something is impossible. I have a dream and somebody shoots it down. Well, that motivates me to go after it. And that's really how I got my foot into professional wrestling. One of my friends, when I was getting released from professional baseball said, man, you've done everything, man. You've done concert production. You've done all this officiating. What are you doing? Next? Dude, you should go into professional wrestling. Well, ironically, I had some friends that were on the road on the crew, on the production crew with WWE, so I made a call. I'm like, hey, man, you know, I've got this going on. I've done this. Yeah, yeah, it's great to hear from you. You guys have any openings? Now, don't have any openings, but, you know, we'll at least, you know, keep you in mind. Three months later, I get a call, and they they had me in mind. And uh, they were looking for someone with production background and officiating background. And thus, I was thrusted into the world of professional wrestling. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so I came in 
a way that is not done anymore. Um, normally, you know, yeah. people go to schools now. They go to they go to um, whenever I was with the company, you know, we had Deep South and it turned into Florida Championship Wrestling um, before I left the company. And as I was leaving the company, um, NXT was developed. So the minor league system was developed and they had always pulled from independents around the country anyway, just, you know. And honestly, they would even pull from guys that they would meet in the, in the gym during the day while they were in a city working out. They're like, dude, you look good. You got some physique. What do you, you got professional background? Yeah, I was in the NFL. Dude, man, would love to talk to you about a life in professional wrestling. So, you know, that's how it used to happen because right. they thought it was easier to train someone that, you know, that they could train and have them develop as they wanted, not come into the business already with bad habits. But now they've got this minor league system, so guys move right up the ranks through that. But, so anyway, I, I came in the back doorway, um, knew some people, got an in, had an opportunity, and it stuck. And I've, I've just been playing around with it ever since. So. Oh, that is awesome. Some of this uh, stuff that you mentioned, I kind of want to unpack because I'm, I'm kind of curious. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, Umpiring, um, in in, Umpire, in yeah. yeah, in in uh, baseball, uh, the actual MLB or the uh, minor leagues, or well, um, well, believe it or not, the minor league system is development for um, big league baseball. Right. There's you start in, um, you know, from from athletes, you know, they get into rookie ball. There is rookie ball that right. is even that isn't isn't even single A, and then there's single A short season, right? And there's single A long season, then there's double A, triple A big leagues so really everyone is suspect until you become a prospect that's that was the analogy then (laughs) all these guys that are below the double a their chances of them ever having a big league contract are pretty nil they might be signed to a minor league contract so you might be signed with the colorado rockies but you're playing in you know salem oregon right you know their minor league town um may never come up with a team um so yeah that's same thing for, for umpires. Um, same thing for umpires. They start, uh, you go to umpire school. Back whenever I went to professional umpire school, there was three schools that you could go to, and now there's only one, and it is ran by minor league baseball operations. So they you go to the school, and they take pretty much the top um, 2% of the class. You go to a development program, which is uh, umpire development, and it's a week-long course. And then a handful of guys out of that, actually about 80% of those guys get a single A contract and they umpire and they start working their way up. Now, most guys sign a two-year deal and you could start in rookie ball. You could start in single A short season. If you're an advanced prospect, you start in um, regular single A. And so I worked my way up to double A. I was a triple A fill-in and um, yeah, I enjoyed it while I was there. It was great. Um, Minor league baseball is unlike any sport mm-hmm. ever. You know? it's, yeah. it's, it's it's crazy. So yeah, I I, I did the deal. That's awesome. Uh, what um what area or territory did you uh, kind of cover? Or what uh, league per se? Uh, I finished in the Texas league. Okay. And um, that's that's Texas and Louisiana and God, uh, Mississippi. Uh, it's, so the Texas League is it's called the Texas League, but right. it, it had teams all over, you know, the southern United States. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. When it comes to if people don't know, when it comes to, say, the if I'm not mistaken, the double uh, A and lower, a lot of the leagues are more regional. 
And um, most the of most them part, are. Yeah, for the most part, yeah. Pretty much the way it was whenever I was in the minor league system is, um, you know, from rookie ball all the way up to advanced A, it's a two-man crew. So it's me and a partner. Yeah. When you get to double A, it's a three-man crew. Um, now, my my final year of double A, it was um, you had a three-man crew. So it was two traveling guys, and then we'd bring in a local local yeah. guy. So then and we they, they, they provided a minivan for us. Um, now when you get to AAA, you're, they're flying you around. So it's, it's, they're, they're molding you to become a big league guy because this is how the, the rotation works. It's, if you're a big league umpire, you have a job pretty much for the rest of your life. It's like the Supreme court, right? Um, you, you, you've earned the job. That job is yours. You're not going to lose it uh, unless you're a dumb, 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 butt. you know, and there's some guys that have done that, <laughs> but whenever you want to retire, you retire now then. Yeah. Knowing that there is not advancement through the minor leagues until there is room up top. Right. So there's guys that spend 20 years in the minor leagues and may never get an opportunity for a full-time contract in big leagues. Now then, with that being said, every big league umpire gets two two-week-long breaks per season. And this is a regular season. I know COVID's thrown everything for a loop, but yeah. in that regular 168 or 162 games, whatever they're playing now, you get two two week long breaks. Well, someone's got to come up and fill in those spots during that time. So AAA guys would come up as a trip. It's called a AAA fill in. Mm -hmm. So you come up and you work big league games to fill in for those guys that are on vacation. Well, when that happens, they bring double A guys up. And so I was a AAA fill in. And I would go up whenever guys would advance up. And um, once you get to AAA, you're 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 probably going to spend three to four years in AAA before they decide whether they want to release you because there's no movement or they want to keep you on on a part-time, full-time basis. You're a full-time umpire, but you're a part-time big league guy. So whenever you work big league baseball, you get big league pay. Um, yeah, they take care of you. It's it's a big deal. So I've known some triple A umpires that have worked, you know, 120 games, and they're still triple A, triple A umpires, but they're doing 120 big league games because they're the next they're the next guy to get called up whenever there's advancement. Right. Yeah. They're they're kind of on that the teeter totter, waiting for you know, waiting for like people like Joe West and CB Bunker Buckner yep. to retire. You know, people like I, that. I, Joe's, <laughs> Joe retired. Joe's done. <laughs> yeah, I know. Buckner, good dude. Um, yeah. I, yeah, and I know all these. What's really cool is yeah, I was ask you. Um, there's a handful of guys that are big league umpires now that I went to umpire school with. Yeah. And, and it's just really cool to see who's actually made it and made a name for themselves and is living that dream. It's 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 a brotherhood. It's really cool. Right. What about yeah. uh, what about the the other side of the uh, the the blue? Uh, you, you get to see any uh, uh, stars, the, the baseball stars uh, coming up through uh, any games that you uh, umpired? Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, um, I had I've I've had several big league Hall of Famers that are on um, on they they're injured injured reserve. Well, they they don't just go right back to the big club. You they got to get right they, once they come back from their injury, they want to get them some game time somewhere. So they'll go. They might start in Double A and do a week in Double A, and then they'll go do a week in Triple A. So they've got two weeks of organized baseball back. They're kind of getting a rhythm, and then they bring them back out to the field. You don't just bring back somebody back from Tommy John surgery, you know, and throw them back on a big league diamond. They got to go back there and and retrain the muscles again. So I had Brett Saberhagen. I had cool. um, 
I've had um, Matt Stairs, Matt Williams. I've had uh, Jose Canseco. I had Chipper Jones. I had Andrew Jones. Um, so, I mean, I've had some some big league players. Oh, that's awesome. I, I, uh, I'll never forget Andrew Jones. Ah, oh, man. Great dude. Um, him, him and J.D. Drew, both of those guys, uh, former Atlanta Braves. I had them in minor leagues. Um, I rung up Andrew on a, on a close pitch. He wasn't happy about it. He comes up to bat the next one. Swings at the miss or swings at the first one, misses it, and then I, you know, I call the next one, and it was it was borderline, but I called it, and he looks back at me and he goes, "Okay, okay." The next pitch, he tees off, sends it yard, and he's just smiling, laughing, and he and he he crosses home plate and he goes, "That one's on me." And I'm like, "Yep, all right." <laughs> so and yeah, it's it was fun. It was fun. Good time. Ah, awesome. That was, uh, you are, you must've been reading my mind. That was going to be my, uh, next question was any, uh, fantastic stories from your time. And there you go. <laughs> I had George Scott who played for the Detroit Tigers for years. He was a, a manager of one of the teams and, um, he came to, he came to the home plate meeting and he had, uh, he had this, um, this necklace on, it was a, like a Hawaiian puka, puka shell necklace, you know, one of those Hawaiian traditional necklaces. Uh-huh. I'm like, I'm like, George, man, you can't wear that out here. I said, what is that anyway? And he says, it's second baseman's teeth. Uh-huh. And I was like, what? Because <laughs> he would go in sliding with his feet up, you know, taking people out. So yeah. Second baseman's teeth from over the years. I was like, whatever, dude. Uh-huh. I had a guy come, come to, um, to come to bat with, um, Billy Bob teeth that go in all different directions and are all dirty, you know. Yeah. He had a had a grill of those in, and he comes up and he smiles at me, and then he hits a double. I was like, what? So the things that happen in minor league baseball, you don't you don't see that in the big league level, but right. it happens. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, they would uh, they'd probably get yep. uh, frowned on a little bit <laughs> up there. <laughs> and stuff, the stuff that goes on. It's it's crazy. It is ridiculous. It's, yeah, like you like you kind of alluded I, to. Minor league baseball is a kind of a different environment. Oh my god! I ejected a mascot one time. Yeah, it's just like crazy. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. From my minor league years that are on YouTube right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's uh, that's uh, fantastic. That's great. Um, so so um, what about the uh, the concert uh, roadie part? Um. Uh, did you get involved in any, uh, were you participated, uh, set up any production and that kind of stuff for anybody famous? And Yeah, yeah, yeah. 20 years of it, man. Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah I've, I've, been on, I've been all over the world. I've, I've, I've toured with Marilyn Manson, from Marilyn Manson all the way to Garth Brooks, Ooh, Michael wow. W. Smith. Um, I mean... You name it, chances are I've, I've touched their boxes. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah. uh... When I was on the road, um, I had... I've had different road jobs. Um, I was a rigger, so I uh, hung everything, hung all the lighting and sound. I was a lighting tech. Um, I was also a a master carpenter um, on some stuff. I was a technical director on a Broadway tour. Um, So, I mean, I've I've done a lot. I've lived a dream. I really have. As a matter of fact, right whenever I left WWE, I'm like, what am I going to do now? And a guy, a friend of mine in Baltimore called me and said, hey, man, we got a job. on this, this Broadway musical tour that's going to go out. I'm like, oh, I'm going from WWE to Broadway musical tour. So I did that for two months. I'm like, I'm done. I'm not doing this. 
I'm done. I started my own business then. So. <laughs> right. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Okay, and that that's a that's a perfect setup for my next question. Some people should recognize your face if they're watching Rocky Mountain Pro. They should recognize that you've been in the WWE. Tell tell the listeners about that. <laughs> my years at WWE. Um, I had a great time. I I was originally. Um, I didn't know what they what they wanted from me whenever they first sparked interest in me. Um, my my process to get to the company from the time we first started talking mm-hmm. to the time I had the plane ticket to go out to my first event was about almost two years, about a year and a half of courting, um, and you know, about five times I went out on my own dime just to you know meet the people and just to be seen and heard, and so they remembered me and. You know, so I invested in myself to, to get the job and just wanted to just wanted an opportunity. And finally that happened. And um, so when I first got hired on, um, it was pretty I, I, I knew that I was going to be in wrestling operations somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know exactly what that was going to entail. I had been training as a referee because they, they wanted someone with officiating background. And that worked out. Um, and then they really were high on my production background. So I became a production manager. That was my main title. I was a live event production manager. I did television production and and the um, what they what they called house shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the production manager for those. And then um, they decided this is what the secret was. They were going to start ECW again. So I became the production manager for ECW when it uh, was rebooted, right. and I did that the year and a half that they did that, and then I transitioned. And to and about halfway through that run, they're like, "All right, you're going to be doing all the promotions." So I was doing ECW, um, Raw, and SmackDown. I was production manager on all those. Um, there was a group of us, so there was three of us that toured, and then we had our boss. And so I did everything. I handled logistics. I, I paid the the bills. I, um, but you know, I, I was I was well versed at, at the officiating, so they kept me. They kept me training on that, and I, so I, I had I had a great time. I did whatever they wanted me to do. That was the deal, being able to be a renaissance man for what they needed. Like they needed someone to go do this, dude. We could get someone that did it. I knew the logistics behind it, so I would make sure that it happened. Um, from magic to to scenic to the you know the 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 seamstresses. Uh, I mean, whatever the show needed. I was their guy. So, and I had a good time with it. It was fun. Yeah. So, well, what so was, that's how I got. Oh, <clears throat> I was going to say, what was the, what's, what was kind of maybe the most standout moment uh, of your uh, time with, uh, with WWE? Um, can you hear me? I lost you for a second. Hang on a sec. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes. So I, I've had a lot of moments with WWE over the years. Um, I've, you know, I got some short stories and I got a couple of long ones, but, uh, you know, I'll just keep it sh- quick. I, I remember probably one of the most significant things was probably my last year there. Um, we went on a Korea tour and it, actually it was my last international and I'm, I'm on the bus. So it's a talent bus. I'm the only production guy there. There's a, a photographer, one of our photo guys and our merch guys, but we're, we're the crew guys with the refs and then it's talent, right? So the guy sitting in front of me just happens to be Ric Flair. And we're cruising down this highway on this bus in South Korea. And 
we're both looking out the window and we're, we're both just having a conversation with each other of how beautiful the countryside is and how ornate um, the, the bridges are. And there's like a bridge everywhere. There's bridges all over the place. And I didn't know that. And he says, in all my years of professional wrestling, this is my first time ever to Korea. And I'm like, holy cow, I grew up watching this guy. And I'm thinking he's done everything. And I'm, it's my first time to Korea. And this is his first time to Korea. And that was, that was like a special moment for me. It was really cool. I'll never forget that. Just, oh my gosh, that realization that, holy cow, this is Ric Flair. And he's never been to Korea. And I'm never, dude, I'm, oh my God. It was, yeah. It seems really small, but that, that was, that's, that was important to me. Um, probably my funnest, funnest story from there is the day that I met Mark Calloway. Oh. Undertaker. Yeah. Um, this is a good one. I, we were doing a live event, and live events are, they could be arena, or maybe they're someone's gym facility. This just happened to be State College PA in their field house. So it's where they do basketball games. It's not a huge arena. It's a small, one-level arena, you know, maybe a few thousand people were doing a SmackDown show, and I'm in charge of production for it. He comes out to make his entrance for the main event, and I press play on his audio, and I got the light cue in. All of a sudden, everything goes out. Ooh. At the beginning of his entrance, he walks out. The purple lights are on him. The music goes out. The lights go out. He looks up at me as only the Undertaker can look at somebody. He gives me that look and shakes his head back and forth and just starts walking to the ring doing his entrance. And I'm going, oh, my God. What just happened? What, what, what are we doing? What, what do you mean you plugged it into the outlet? That's supposed to be plugged into the power distribution. So I'm up here, you know, trying to trying to get things turned back on. And I get the spotlights. They're the only things that had power. So I got the spotlights to, to follow him to the ring. So at least he's got something to get to the ring. And I'm like, flood and cover. So we covered the ring with lights. And um, sure enough, man, right whenever um, referee called for the bell, I got all my power back. The music fired up. All the ring lights came up. And he just looks at me and throws his hands up like, what the frick, dude? And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling really horrible. Well, the guys, my friends, saw what was going on. And they're laughing. They thought it was really funny. Well, Undertaker goes over, makes his way to the back. No big deal. Gets to the back. And one of my friends comes up to me. <clears throat> I think it was one of the refs. I think it was either Chad Patton or Jack Doan. They come up to me. And they go, hey, man, Mark wants to talk to you. I haven't met Undertaker yet. I don't know anything about it. I just came over from ECW. I'm, this is my first run with Undertaker on SmackDown. I'm already shell-shocked. And, and they say, uh, hey, man, Mark wants to talk to you. I'm like, who's Mark? And <laughs> that, that was number two. And they're like, oh, my God, dude, it's the Undertaker. He wants to talk to you. And I'm like, oh, no, he wants to talk to me about it's me screwing up. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So I go back there, and I'm like, Mr. The Taker? He's like, come on and sit down, kid. So he sits down. I'm sitting down. He's unwrapping his knees. And he looks up at me, and he goes, I'm getting old. I don't got a lot of years left. You know, and that entrance, that's what I got. That's, that's how people know me. And tonight, I didn't have that. You screwed that up. I lost that. I lost the audience tonight because of you. What do you have to say for yourself, kid? And I'm like, first off, I'm going, holy cow, I'm getting called out by The Undertaker. Yeah. For two, it really wasn't my fault, but I'm responsible. I'm the, I'm the production manager, so I have to take full responsibility for the inadequacies of 
the building we're in or whatever. So I said, you know what? I apologize. That shouldn't have happened. Um, as soon as, as soon as it, it did happen, I, I wish I could say I knew exactly what happened, but I found out they had plugged our board into the wall instead of the power distribution. It's my fault. I should have been up on it. However, that's what happened. He said, so what you're trying to tell me is you're going to put it over on somebody else. And I'm like, I, 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 uh, no. And he looks up about that time and he looks at the entryway door and there's four heads sticking in the locker room and they're laughing their butts off. And I look over at him and, and he looks up at the guys and he goes, Hey, have I given him enough crap guys? And they just all died laughing. And I'm like, what? He's like, welcome to the show, kid. And I'm like, oh my God, my heart's beating. And I go, screw you, 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 and you, I'm done. <laughs> and that's how I met The Undertaker. So uh-huh. there you go. And that's 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 fantastic because that's uh, very timely with, uh, you know, with uh, he's in the news now. Uh, you know, may or may not be retiring. It, it seems to be, <laughs> you know, one way or another. But the the stories are coming out uh, that he's he's actually a really really nice guy behind the uh, behind the character. So um, he's he is, you know, the, the the curtain's already been pulled on the business, so a lot of people see things, you know, yeah. the last ride and stuff but you know there's things about the business that you know unless you experience it you'll never see so in some aspects kayfabe is not dead yet there are still some secrets to the business that people aren't aren't privy to but i am blessed enough to have seen the goods and the bads of all these people and i can tell you this right now mark calloway is singly the most respected person in that locker room He's the judge. When something is, is amiss between two people, the judge is the one that says, hey, you boys sit down. You're going to talk it out, and you're going to fix it. And he, he literally is the judge. If there's kangaroo court, he's the judge. Um, he was – I mean, as a matter of fact, whenever I left the business, um, I don't talk about it much, um, how I left it. it I kind of got the shaft on it. Um, but, you know, I, I, I believe – it was my time to go. But Mark is one of those guys that whenever I actually saw them again, I picked up that job in Baltimore. I was telling you about, they happened to be in town that night. I called my old boss. I'm like, I didn't have an opportunity to say goodbye to anybody. Can, can I come to the show? Undertaker pulled me aside when I was there and he's like, Hey man, you got a few minutes. I'm like, sure. He's like, how are you doing? Are you okay? How's your family? How's your boys? How's your wife? Is everything good at home? I know it's a rough situation. He, He cared. And, and I've never forgot that about him. There's there's three or four people that were like that. They were just genuine, and they truly care about everybody, not just the boys in the ring, but everybody that has a part in putting on the show that they're presenting. We're, we're all a team, and he made us feel like we are the guys, you know? And, and I, I love the guy. I'll never forget him. He is, he is truly an amazing man, absolutely. So there you go. That's for what it's worth. That's fantastic. All right, so yeah. uh, switching gears just uh, here a little bit. So uh, how did you uh, end up uh, landing with uh, Rocky Mountain Pro? <laughs> oh, that's a great question. Um, whenever I started my um, training for WWE, I was contacted by them. They said, hey, there's a local promotion out there. It's ran by a guy that we've um, brought in for um, – you know, some dark stuff. His name is Jeff McAllister mm-hmm. and uh, everyone knows, knew him as Sarge. So um, I hooked up with Jeff. He had a company called Fusion Pro Wrestling. Okay. There was a little skinny punk kid there with his hair all, you know, 
spiked up and colored like Eminem on top. And his name was Matthew Yaden. <laughs> so I, I never forgot Matt. And um, whenever I was with WWE, I was out with my family one day and we saw Matt. And Matt said, hey, Dewey, how you doing? And I'm like, doing great, man. Doing great. And he's like, I got a dream. This is what I want to do. You know, Jeff and Billy, they're not running Fusion anymore. I want to start my own promotion. I've got big plans. I want to do this. I'm like, dude, great. Nobody believed he could do it, which I thought was great because, you know, here's this kid that he knows what he's doing. He's a a college kid. He he knows what's up. And uh, people give him little credit. But darn it, if he didn't start that business, you know, NRW was born. And then – Shortly after that, he became friends with Al Snow. And to make a long story short, Matt got picked up for to to work in talent relations with um, with TNA at the time. Yeah. Well, whenever Matt comes back, he took over re- retook over the ownership of his the building or not the building, but the the company that he created. And I got released from WWE, and it was just a natural thing to go. Who do I know that's still out here? And how can I help? And Matt's like, Dewey, please help us. We need help production. I need help with the reps. Can you train these guys? Can you, can you, can you help me do this? So that's, that's what we did. And, um, I, he had a, he had a couple guys that were helping him with production and they did, you know, they're green production. I, I showed them a little bit, but they all had their own strengths. I just felt like I didn't want to step on their toes. I told Matt I would come in and I would help him out and just kind of guide their, their direction a little bit. So that's pretty much how my relationship with, um, what is now Rocky Mountain Pro right. was beginning. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All, all the listeners, all the listeners do know yeah. the 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 story of how uh, RMP uh, got started with NRW and stuff like that. So yeah, no no need to uh, rehash all that for the listeners, but uh, just sure. just you. So um, uh, so you uh, there at Rocky Mountain Pro, you kind of uh, do like uh, a lot of hats. You have a lot of hats uh, that you're taking care of, right? I, I, you know what I originally did and you know, with me being with, um, you know, my own business, it was really hard for me to be at every television taping. Matt had an idea, you know, we, they bought it, they brought in Vince, um, Vince Russo and, um, we, we got a television contract and doing live TV. It's not just like recording and, and editing and then putting it out there. Live TV is you do everything right now. You, you edit it right now as it's coming. It's a very ambitious undertaking. So I would do that from afar. I, I would help them. I, I helped them with logistics and got the personnel that they needed to do what they needed to do. We brought in people from all over the country, and we, we, I helped facilitate that. So I became the director of production operations when that happened. And, um, yeah, so I continued on that, and Titles are just titles. They, they don't mean anything, really. They're, it's just a matter of who's doing what jobs. So everybody at Rocky Mountain Pro wore several hats. Right. I just happened to be someone that had more experience. That's, that's it. Right. You know, sometimes I would do one thing that I wouldn't do the last show because we had somebody that was good over there that could do it. And now, you know, see a need, fill a need kind of thing. So yeah. that's, that's, in essence, what, I, what I've done. Yeah, kind of, kind of more of the the titles only mean like if somebody had a question or needed something, they they kind of knew who could maybe ask, and if they didn't know, they could steer them in the right direction to get, get their you know, question. Pretty much, it's yeah. one of those things where it was like, 
it's a facade, really. <laughs> trying to when you're trying to get sponsorship, they want to know that you're an organized, finely tuned, finely you know well-oiled machine. And you know, whenever you introduce someone that's a vice president of wrestling operations or vice president of production or director of production and live entertainment, then they they listen to those people. Yeah. Rather than hey, here's Dewey. He used to work for WWE, and now he's helping me. <laughs> so true. So true. Um, uh, so, uh, what about uh, your um, in ring uh, with uh, RMP? Uh, same kind of question. Any uh, yeah. me- memorable moments you've had? Yeah, I've had some really memorable moments with RMP. I love those guys. Um, talk about a crazy cast of character. Um, I don't know how people look at independent wrestling in Colorado. I know that there are a bunch of shows, a bunch of different companies. Mm-hmm. Some of those companies are the same owner. Some are just, you know, different different types of the entertainment. But, you know, with Rocky Mountain Pro, you, you, still, you still see a lot of those guys. A lot of those guys still wrestle all these different promotions. Right. So... I, I'm fond of some of those guys, and I've had great moments with some of them. I've even had headbutting moments where, you know, moments where I haven't necessarily agreed with some talent, but then they turn out to be, we turn out to be good friends, and we, re, we have a mutual respect for one another. And I'm not just a goofy little referee. I actually know what I'm talking about, so I'm not gonna, I'm not trying to screw somebody over. I just think, uh, when I'm when I'm producing a match, it needs to be more than okay, get your stuff in so I, I feel better about myself. Sometimes you don't need that if you're trying to tell a story. So some of the best, some of my best matches are, are definitely some of those story matches. Um, I always revert back to Milestone 3, I think it was. And that's, for those people that don't know, Milestone is the RMP um, Super Bowl, pretty much their WrestleMania, right. once a year. And um, I had three matches in that. And all of them were different. I had a comedy match. I had a serious match. I had, uh, you know, I, I had, a, I had a bump in one of those matches. Um, and those are a dime a dozen. I mean, people think, oh, it's a big deal. The rip takes a bump. No, it's not. It's just it's part of the show. It's you know, it's what, whatever happens, happens. Yeah. Um, but that that particular show, those three matches that I was involved in, are probably some of my most memorable matches of RMP. So now, if people want to know, they can go watch. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, 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 so you said. So basically, you're saying that that whole event was was good for you because you had a a, a trifecta that kind of rounded out and kind of made it special to you. It felt like everything that I accomplished in that show mm-hmm. were things that I, I I was passionate about, and it showed a diversity in my officiating. Ah. Every everything. So you know you you. It's hard to explain, but if you watch, you'll understand. I mean, you got Eugene in one match. Eugene is is hilarious, you know. It's a comedy match. Yeah. So I had that, and then I had a serious match. I had a cage match. I took a bump, and so, you know, there were some serious things going on. And the main event, and there was was also a, um, a title that changed hands that was very significant to both of these guys' career. One of those guys is now on the national level, and he's a you know, NWA tag team champ, you know, Royce Isaacs. Yeah. Uh, it was a match with him and Anaya. Anaya didn't know he was going over in the match until I said, you won. Right. <laughs> it, was, it was just like that. So uh, that, that was a special match because there was a lot of communication that was going on that, that 
people didn't realize. And, you know, the payoff was the reaction at the end, and it was exactly what we needed for TV. So, Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, so from, uh, from there that since I've known you, I've, I've seen you do a few different things. I've seen you, uh, do some, uh, ring announcing, uh, like in, uh, uh, Rocky mountain pros, uh, sister company per se, respect women's wrestling. And, and I've seen you, uh, branch out, uh, get out and referee out there in, uh, uh, devotion championship wrestling. How's it, uh, kind of, uh, right now with everything that's kind of going on, being able to kind of branch out and kind of doing a little bit uh, here and thing, I, I suspect you've kind of done those kind of things, you know, in the past, but still continuing to do that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm having more fun now. Um, honestly, for a while there, probably a couple years ago, I was to the point where I'm like, you know, I, I'm, I've kind of lost my feel for it. I, I, I don't need to be here. You guys have got it. Yeah. I think, I think I'm done. I, I think I'm going to hang it up. But then all of a sudden my, my son got involved and wanted to become a referee. And then a, a company at the national level took notice of him. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The kid's only 15 years old. Let's please give him a few years. Right. So he, it, it kind of reignited my fire to help motivate him and steer him in a direction that could possibly lead to a good career. And so what does the kid, how does he repay me? He enlisted in the army. So <laughs> oh, shoot. So at least he's got something to come back to. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of what I've done. I'm proud of my, my past. Um, I, I don't know everything. I still have a lot to learn. Um, but I've, I have experience and, and I don't take any of that experience for granted because I know that there's people in the, in the literally that it's their dream to get to those levels and it'll never happen. And I lived it. And I I consider myself extremely blessed to have lived that life and to have been able to experience those things that I did. And if I can share that with this new generation, that's what I want to do. So I think that's what I'm most proud of right now, training and inspiring referees and production people and even talent to not give up on their dreams. All things are possible. And just because you think that that guy's a prospect, they, that guy might not get the call. Those big companies, they they have needs, and they're not always, I want a muscle-bound ex-NFL player. Sometimes I want a short little zombie girl. Well, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So <laughs> it, all of a sudden, you got a short little zombie girl at the national level putting Colorado over and our school over, yeah. and we are blessed to see her do what she's doing. Right. So. That's very cool. I'm, I, I, I love training and inspiring. I, I think that's that's what I like the most right now. And that's pretty much what I'm doing with um, um, devotion up in Utah now. You know, I've, I've taken on the referees training up there. I'm, so I'm empowering those referees. I'm also handling. Um, um, I'm not writing the show, but I'm, I'm directing and producing. And I, I did that the last five shows, the last five episodes for him. I think we've got something for them there they they liked it they liked the way things were ran so i think i'll be back up there again we'll do some more shows for vince and manny and yeah i'm having a good time now that's 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 awesome uh so you you kind of alluded to it but so the future what what else uh is there for you to uh check off on the list that you want to do um I... or is it just going to be maybe just kind of comes you know, up and goes whoa this i want to try that uh, I, I worked, you know, I worked at WWE, 
that's everyone's dream in the wrestling business. They want to work for that company. Yeah, yeah there's AEW and there's Impact and, and all those. But I, I worked there and I had a great time doing it. But I, I didn't – I would love to have had a full-time ref job instead of a full-time production job. Mm. So, you know, over the over this COVID time, I've had an opportunity to, to lose some weight, build my body back up. So I'm down 25 pounds now because I've been talking to one of these national companies. And um, the last time I talked to them two weeks ago was as soon as we get clearance from this COVID stuff, they're going to bring me out. So I'm, I'm excited about that opportunity. Um, yeah, so I've been, I've been talking to, um, to Impact they're 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 who I went to one of their tryouts uh, last year, and um, they liked that I you know I I have the ins and outs that I do and I did work for WWE so that helped and then um, whenever um, they came out here, they had an opportunity to interview me and talk to me a little bit and um, they said hey when we come back we do our TV we want to use you on the show I'm like okay great, and then COVID happened. And they reached out to me and said, hey, whenever COVID comes back, we want to bring you out. We'd like to, you know, give you a, uh, an opportunity. Now, I don't know what that means, but that was the word that was used in opportunity. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's a one-off deal. I don't know if it's production related. I don't, I, I would, you know, but I'm open to it. I'm doing nothing right now. So. <laughs> right. Yeah, because you, uh, you went out with a couple of other, the, uh, the talent uh, to one of their, uh, tapings in uh, Vegas, right? And you ended up in the uh, you ended yep. up in the the wedding uh, uh, scene. <laughs> I guess I did. Yeah, we we ended up being in one of their one of their spots that they were shooting, and uh, had a great time. You know, I was able to connect with some of the guys that I I ran ECW road yeah. with. Uh, yeah. Tommy Dreamer was there, and and Rob Van Dam was there, and uh, yeah, so it was a good time. We had a we had a, we had a great opportunity there. So. Oh, that's uh, that's great. All right, well, hey, Dewey, I think that might be a uh, fantastic place to uh, wrap this one up. But before I do let you go, uh, the listeners want to maybe uh, keep up with you on the uh, social media. Where could they do that? Um, they can find me at uh, Instagram and uh, Facebook, Dewey Larson or Dream Big Dewey. Um, my company that I own is Dream Big Entertainment, and it has its own page there as well. So that's that's how they find me. Awesome. All right. Well, once again, uh, thanks for coming on, and I uh, guess I'll be uh, seeing you uh, hopefully in the future. Hey, we'll see, man. One day at a time. I'm just blessed to, to be six feet up, so whatever happens, happens. All right. <laughs> and thank you for the time as well, man. Thanks for the invite. Once again, a big thank you to Dewey Larson for coming on to this episode of the Wrestling With Altitude podcast and introducing himself to all of our listeners. Um, check him out in all those uh, promotions, uh, Rocky Mount Pro, uh, Devotion Championship Wrestling, and maybe we'll see him uh, in uh, Impact uh, once again. All right, so uh, let's do a, a quick uh, week in review. Uh, last time we talked, there was going to be a... Uh, event on uh, July 4th and that was unfortunately um, that event got canceled but uh, CSW uh, picked up the ball and ran with it so let's talk about that uh, CSW Colorado Springs Wrestling had a uh, I would I would say kind of a impromptu uh, uh, on online streaming uh, matches set up for uh, July 4th so we got to uh, celebrate with them and I, it uh, turned out really well I, I give give kudos to uh, CSW for 
pulling that off. Uh, everything looked uh, really good, and uh, I have to say for, for the wrestling community, uh, thank you for giving us uh, something uh, kind of fun and uh, added to our uh, 4th of July Independence Day celebrations, at least in the uh, Mr. Fourth Rose uh, household. So that was uh, great. All right, so uh, what do we have uh, coming up uh, this week in the Wrestling with Altitude area? Uh, we've got a couple events on uh, Friday. We have the uh, Spaced Out uh, event in uh, Colorado Springs where uh, Primo's uh, Pro, Premier Pro Wrestling is going to be um, you know, helping with the wrestling and uh going to be uh, this spaced out event is kind of a i'm trying to explain it the best i can it's it's kind of like an all-day festival um all, all kinds of uh things going on um all kinds of entertainment fun for the uh, whole family uh live music comedy uh art show games activities health demonstrations yoga uh dancing uh, painting demos, uh, ex- educational exhibits, laser light show, food, beverages, uh, a, a craft marketplace. Uh, so all kinds of uh, fantastic stuff. So if you want to, f- and then of course they're going to have the intergalactic uh, championship uh, there as well. So uh, if you guys want to find out information, uh, just do a uh, Facebook search for uh, Spaced Out 2020, and you'll find out all the details and how you can get uh, tickets uh, from there. So uh, that's great. Uh, I've got my eye on it. I just uh, hope uh, that I can uh, make it down. Um, from work on Friday, so because sometimes it's tough to to do that, but we'll see how that goes. And then on uh, Saturday, uh, Devotion uh, Championship Wrestling uh, is having their Great American Day private TV taping in uh, from the uh, uh, from uh, 12 South, 400 West, Salt Lake City. Uh, you want to get uh, uh, tickets, get in contact with them. As it is a private event and uh, seats are uh, $25 and it's a first come first uh, serve basis. So uh, that's great. They got all kinds of things. Uh, They've got uh, uh, all kinds of great things happening there. So that should be great to see how that comes out. All right, well, before we get out of here, uh, let's thank, again, the Training Topics Network for help hosting the show. If you do like this show, uh, subscribe to the uh, Training Topics uh, feed in your favorite podcast catching application of your choice. And other shows you'll catch on there are uh, What's on Fight, the uh, other show I do with my co-host, uh, Finn Fish, talk about all the great uh, programming you find on the uh, Fight TV platform. There's also All Beer Inside, Old School at the Movies, The Year Vision Showcase, and Wrestling Cheers. Want to get in contact with this show? Uh, you can. Uh, WrestlingWithAltitude.com is the website. Podcast at WrestlingWithAltitude.com is the email address. Facebook page of Wrestling With Altitude and Twitter handle of Russell Altitude. Once again, thank you all for listening, supporting, and having fun wrestling with altitude.